episode of the Brush Builders Union podcast. I'm your host and general president of the Brush Builders Union, Simon Berman. This month, I am joined by Annie Norman, founder and owner of Bad Squiddo Games, home of believable female miniatures, coming all the way from Nottingham in England. How are you, Annie? Hello, I'm absolutely brilliant. How about yourself? Uh, good. It's uh, not a million degrees here for the first time in a week, so it's really nice. Hooray! Yeah. <laughs> so thanks so much for joining me you know we've been talking about doing an interview for a little while and I'm, I'm really glad we finally found some time to uh, talk about all the cool stuff you're doing yes that's excellent i'm very elusive so you've managed to get me so hopefully it'll be an excellent excellent interview <laughs> and not a massive anticlimax. yeah i'm sure that'll be great <laughs> so bad squid has been around for for many years now at this point right five six yeah, at we're least in a, we're in our sixth year now and i Recent, recently, I previously ran um, <laughs> the Dice Bag Lady for uh-huh. an, an extra four years. So, yeah, it's kind of ninth, maybe ninth, tenth, tenth in total of sort of being in the war games industry, running it all, which <laughs> running it all, running the whole yeah. industry. <laughs> the secret I mean, mastermind yeah. <laughs> of the war games industry. You heard it here, folks. So, yeah, even though it's been that, that five years of Squiddo, it's, it's been longer, the, the general journey. So it's... It's a bit astonishing sometimes when I think, because I kind of think I set it up yesterday. I'm like, oh no, I'm kind of maybe en route to being an old guard. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, a midguard perhaps. Yeah, midguard. Yeah. So, so what is what is Bad Squiddo and um, and the Dice Bag Lady? What, what what are those? So I set up originally was a company, the Dice Bag Lady, and I'm, I made dice bags and I'm a lady. So uh, they were all handcrafted, crocheted, embroidered. And it kind of just take, took off, and that got pretty big. And it was back when I was doing tournaments quite a lot, uh, Warhammer 8 tournaments. So it kind of all sort of word of mouth spread around there. And yeah, I just ended up with that. That was a massive success, but it was too successful. And I ended up hurting, giving myself permanent wrist injuries from it, Ooh. which at the time was not so fun. In hindsight, was one of the best things to actually happen, because it it forced me to do something else. It wasn't a long-term sustainable sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it gave me that kick to go, right, okay, let's try minis, see if it works. And I had pretty much zero hope that it was going to work. But here I am. So it's still still going. So what we, we focus on, believable female miniatures. So it's all sort of based around just, just women wearing clothes. It's, <laughs> it's listed as a niche <laughs> quite a lot. I'm like, it's not, though. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just almost like the female versions of men figures that you get. Because at, at the time, there was barely anything. It's a lot better now. But we kind of started with that. And then the range has grown and merged around basically anything I'm interested in. Because as we get bigger and bigger, I go, got the power to make any miniature that i want yeah. <laughs> i can make any of these things happen so occasionally i will go a bit off the wall i'll treat myself as long as i could buy myself a green go it doesn't really matter if no one buys it because i've made this and it's yeah. in the world <laughs> I, I quite like your capybara i don't know what it's uh, its gender is but he's he's great oh charles great. charles yeah charles. yeah <laughs> he was um the second animal miniature we ever did so I started off with a wolf. It's like, right, I'll build the basic, you know, the sort of stuff everyone has just to get out. And I got as far as one wolf and then went, Capybara, let's do a Capybara. Good choice. <laughs> everyone loves Charles. He's he's ace. He's got a cousin Lance as well. He's a Cappy Cannon. He has a big cannon, uh, uh, gu- guinea pig launch cannon sort of strapped uh. to his back. 
<laughs> which yeah so it's me going i'm gonna make this because and then other people like it and i'm like oh whoa now people like it <laughs> this is ace right i can yeah. do more of this it's basically the company in a nutshell so that's yeah we great. focus the main core of it is the the female minis and that sort of branches out to some different uh, genres as well so we're kind of bit of everywhere um, but I'm trying to focus a bit more on historicals and World War Two in particular. But we say we've got these sort of sub ranges from all over the place. We've also got loads of animals which are getting weirder and weirder, and loads. I've counted recently. We've got over fifty packs of terrain now, which is getting weirder and weirder oh, as wow. well. <laughs> it's uh, it's sort of scenic, so it's smaller, scatter parts rather than sort of big houses and castles. It's almost like curiosities <laughs> little oh, cool. little things that you didn't know you needed and then you see it and go yes yes yeah. I, need that. I don't know what for but i do need it so it's all just trying to diversify it into just just stuff that you know the the hobby's been around a while and there's people that have just been doing everyone's done their own take on the same thing to some extent sure. obviously not everyone but you know there's a lot of world war Two germans at 28 mil yeah. It's been done a lot. So some things have been done to death almost. And then there was still like barely any female historical minis. And I was like, why why hasn't anyone done this? So I filled in the gap. No, I think it's 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 such a great service to the community too. I mean, it, like as you said, there are there are these sort of large gaps in, in some especially historical gaming, but you know, in fantasy as well, where um you know, I think really until the last decade or so, you know, nobody was really meeting that need at all, even from the major manufacturers, or doing so in a very limited or, or questionable fashion in yeah. some cases. Yeah, the point the point of Squido was it was just to increase the choice because I knew from the start that I'd get all the jip of people going, "But my chainmail bikinis, like it's fine, it's fine, you can keep them. I'm not taking them away." <laughs> just offering choice because it was yeah. when i started playing i started playing dark age gaming and i didn't really know much about historical i come from fantasy i played vampires so i'd never really noticed because mm -hmm. that's sort of built in like i had some yeah, sexy sure. vampires and i hadn't looked outside of that and then when i, I thought all right i'll get some uh some female vikings just because they look cool to add into my add into my warband and then i started going further and further into google going hang on a minute what and then I sort of find a pack that might have had one in and the rest but the one it's like they were um they were sold as historical miniatures but they're not historically accurate and they're just a bit distasteful personally I found for that sure. sort of gaming it just didn't really suit so if you've got your sexy vampire queen or whatever that's that's in your sort of fantasy land but when you're reenacting historical but for some bizarre reason all the women are in their pants it's just a bit odd and that that's the only option so it was just sort of like going through reams and reams of pretty much that sort of chainmail bikini viking stuff where she's got the horn helmet and yeah. um, i was really really surprised that i could barely find any so it was like one or two so yes yeah, so that's where i started and it was it was purely so people like myself that go hey i just want a female fighter could actually find it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, actually, a friend of mine I know uh, bought a significant number of uh, shield maidens for his saga force from you guys. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, they're real, you've got some really nice stuff in that line. Uh, but actually, moving back a little bit before, what was your introduction to wargaming? Um, I 
realise now that I've been in the hobby, I'm 30 and I've been in the hobby 20 years. So a very rounded two thirds. Uh, I kind of just stumbled across it. Um, my mum brought back some white dwarfs from a, from a market stand just because they were really cheap and had fantasy stuff in. Uh-huh. And, and me and my brother were kind of into all that. And she went, hey, look at these. These were a pound or something. Check these out. And that's that was it. <laughs> the rest was history. They were really old ones. So it was, um, it was when it was un- undead were just general undead. And that massively appealed to little 10-year-old me. Yeah. I was just well into my goth stuff and vampires and all that at that point. And I was just like, oh, these are so cool. So I kind of just kept reading all the magazines. And it was like the Black Coach and the Manticore dude and all this. And But it was the, what was it, the... The skull catapults and all this sort of stuff. Oh yeah. And like, like we got a few bits, so the same standard sort of have like old cheap Warhammer bits. So sort of like built up a bit of collection from that. And I remember eventually being going to a games workshop mm-hmm. and being like, all these models, I want all these models, and then realised that the magazines I had were pretty old. So they were like, yeah, yeah we don't <laughs> we don't do any of that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> But they had the black coach, and I always remember that as the first brand new model that I ever bought. Well, oh, wow. Bought. That's a pretty, pretty um, serious entry point. I know. And the guy was trying to sell He's like, maybe you should try these skeletons first. Like, no, black coach. On uh, hindsight, I was just like, this is so many slabs of metal to try and glue God, together. It was a metal kit, wasn't it? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but it's got a special place in my heart. So when they re-released it, I think it was last year. Yeah. Um, I was just like, they've done such a good job on making that still the black coach, but oh, a bit beautiful. cooler and updated and not metal slab. Correct. <laughs> it doesn't weigh six pounds in your, your army transport. <laughs> I just remember trying to glue them together and it was before I knew about putty or pinning or anything and oh, just sure. sort of like holding all the four sides on and then the whole getting your hand stuck to it and it just collapsing. <laughs> <laughs> But I just I got super into it from then on. Then I had had quite a bit of a gap, like people do. Got back into it around university time. Turned out mum had sold all of my stuff. Oh, <laughs> I think wow. she gave them to a charity shop, actually. Oh, yeah. oh I didn't think you were into that anymore. No. <laughs> so I had to buy it all again. I went straight back to Undead. It's like, yes, I'm going to yeah. go straight for the Undead again. Awesome. So was, yeah, seventh edition Warhammer I started off on. Actually, properly gaming, because it was mostly just collecting and painting before then. When the time came for you to, to start uh, Bad Squiddo, were you were you initially making sculpts of your own or, or commissioning them, or did, were you just sort of uh, aggregating um, believable female miniatures? Well, when it was, we have kind of changed, especially the last sort of couple of years. So at the start, I had I remember commissioning my first ever miniature. I was so excited. And uh, the sculptor I choose, uh, Phil Hines, he was local. He's not anymore. I left him in Cardiff. Oh, <laughs> He's no. still over there. I miss him. But we still we still work together, which is really cool. So it's sort of been along the whole time, which is which is super ace. So I commissioned a whole one sculpt from him. And he was quite new to 28 mil as well. So we learned so much stuff together. Just about... Because he'd, he'd sculpted a lot, but not so much that size. And not for casting, so we were kind of learning all that, which was oh, really sure. Sweet. Yeah, it's a skill, yeah. We're like little study buddies. So, but the main bulk of it at the start was I bought in, I contacted as many companies as I could find that had, even if they had one female miniature that was cool, 
and clothed. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to they're necessarily clothed. It's just do they sure. the general the general thing that I go for is would they dress themselves like that? Right. Which is a really good way of, of kind of guessing it. She's like, yeah, yeah, you know, she would wear that. And then others just imagine them going, No, what are you doing? <laughs> Give me some armor, please. So it's it's kind of and it was all totally subjective. It's all quite a sort of yeah, subjective personal thing, what people think's fine. So I just kinda went, these are what I think are cool and I want to put them all together in a shop so that you don't have to go from here to here to here to find to find you know, to build a war band or something. So yeah. you buy one mini for four pounds, and then you ship in four pounds, then you've got to go to another place. Right. So I kind of made it this central hub, so you can just buy from this manufacturer, this one, this one, and it was quite quite a new thing. Well, I don't know of anyone else who's done that for that specific type of thing, where it was yeah, just just female female minis that are cool from all over the place, had them from all sure. over the world, and it worked really well, and it really brought a lot of attention to it. It was only over time the last. Maybe the last year, maybe the last two years, that I kind of went, right, I'm going to focus on the Bad Squid Miniatures line now because it's big. And the admin for managing so many different suppliers was absolutely wild. And on hindsight, like, wow, I do not miss that. How did I do that? (laughs) It just... Especially when you're only stocking sort of one or two miniatures from them. If it's oh, something yeah. like you know, a distributor or you're stocking a whole range, you can restock and it's easy because you know, you've got your minimum orders, all that sort of stuff. Of course. But when you're like, oh, I don't want to hold too much stock, but I also don't want the postage to be more than the actual stock. <laughs> yeah. So juggling all that was, was wild. And I think the first, first few years, maybe, I don't know, my first two years or so, the website I had looked beautiful, but it was mostly held together by like string and tape at the back. So it was <laughs> really hard for me to sort of work it. And yeah, I haven't really thought about that for a while. And I'm thinking, damn, I did good. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow <laughs> managed to get through all that. Because obviously then, you know, it got bigger. So I got a bit more money that I could invest into a better website. So the website sure. now is beautiful. So it obviously looks beautiful, but the the back end of it is obviously a beautiful thing so it's just been it's just been this building up constantly you know the last sort of five years and um, yeah when i noticed that actually i had a, a huge range i counted just before the show i've got 350 packs including the terrain so that's 300 different oh, packs wow. um i hadn't actually counted it before so whoa so there's a lot of minis um yeah so, i mean that's a bigger range than you know some like established companies have yeah so to get to a point where I was able to, it was kind of a bit like the the stocking was my stabilizers, the the minis were stocking before, to kind of take the stabilizers off. So I just did it on a whim one afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna not do this anymore. And <laughs> I went, I should probably check my accounts. <laughs> Checked. So I went, it's okay. It's feasible. It is feasible. Whew. <laughs> so many wins but i I kind of miss it but also not because it it was a bit of logistical nightmare but it helped i won't forget it as especially the companies that were really sort of friendly and welcoming at the start that i still chat to even if i don't stock or you know sell any of their their products we still chat quite a bit and they they did help me sort of get that initial build up and get those funds to able to put those into my own sculpts and it was really good just seeing so many minis from different companies and you can sort of learn what you like what you don't like so just things like packaging types of scales so we're like oh i like that one that one's maybe not and just sort of 
going through all that, processing it all, and then I guess the end result is churning it out into bad squiddo minis, and that's the sort of the sum of everything I've absorbed and loved. It's it's, it's cool. It's really cool to hear your journey about all of this because it, it seems to have really developed out of you know a real passion for it. Actually, I got a question for you. Your website, like you mentioned, is, is very beautiful. I love your logo. Um, the name Bad Squiddo is great. Why Bad Squiddo? <laughs> it's it's actually something I... If, if there's any regrets, it's probably that I called it Bad Squiddo. Although, I can't really regret that because the Squiddo is very cute. He is very um, cute. The old the old company, the Ice Bag Lady, Baggy the Bag was the mascot. And I ended up... I used to do quite a lot of little cartoons and just like bits of merch, but also little comic strip type things of his adventures with the squiddos, which were different dice bags that I made. And uh, yeah, they just sort of... That was part of the... I've got quite a small following, but a, a very small, tight following at that point, I think. Sure. So when I switched, I was like, uh, I don't really want to come up... I don't know what name to come up with. I kind of want it to link across rather than coming out of nowhere... And I kind of didn't expect it to really go anywhere. I was, it would, at the time, I was thinking it'll be nice, but I don't know. I, I, I really didn't think it was going to last a year. So I was like, oh, it doesn't matter too much, I guess. <laughs> See? Um, so yeah, I went for Squiddo, and he's a bad Squiddo because they always get into shenanigans. So that's pretty much it. So I kept Baggy around. So he's, he's always been the mascot. He's been a bit quiet lately, so I need to put him back into some stuff. So he's there on the logo, looking a bit terrified of the bad <laughs> He's appeared as a few miniatures too, hasn't he? Yes, they, yes. And talking of which, um, Ristol, who sculpts all of our terrain, he popped up yesterday and had me laughing out loud at my computer. He said, I've just been sculpting this all weekend. I hope you like it. And he sculpted Baggy and the Squiddo. One, he's riding him like some sort of <laughs> land horse. <laughs> the faces are so good and then he's got this new sort of laser engravery thing so he's managed he's put the logo and then got the squiddo and baggy sort of holding it and they're just really lovely display pieces that i wasn't expecting I'm like oh, yes they're going in the resin but they are so funny so i might i might have a resurge of the, the baggy squiddo escapades it's been a long time since i've been on any adventures awesome <laughs> I just liked it. It's just a fun thing, and it gave it's something that I could put into this little bits of merch. So when at trade shows, I have little badges for a pound. So sure. kids that are of the age where they're being dragged around because they're not all that interested yet, and you know their parents staring at rows of Napoleonics for an hour. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> or they're going, I would like that. No, you can't. That's a massive dragon kit that's two hundred pounds. So like, mm -hmm. just let them have a badge. It's a pound. It'll keep them quiet. Yeah. So it was kind of a bit of that. Um, and yeah, yeah, I miss doing so much of that. It was mostly as the companies got bigger, I ran out of time. And then I hired Martin Whitmore. He redid our logo. So it was originally made by me. And it was perfectly fine. But it wasn't the best. But I didn't want to change it. I didn't have the funds for a full rebrand. So uh, yeah, two years ago, I asked Marty to... He's he's one of you, American. Oh, <laughs> yeah, one of I'm you sorry. guys. <laughs> he's ace. Everyone I work with is the best. It yeah. sounds really cheesy, but they are. I'm such a cool gang of people. Uh, so I asked him to basically take my logo and make it better. Do do it so it's the same, but just better. Sure. Um, he did, and I'm so glad I did that. So he's 
he then started drawing, adding to, adding to our artwork. He's our main artist now. So all the little cartoon shield maidens and things you see are all by him. Mm-hmm. And he is ace. You should check him out because he does lots of different different sort of things. He's a freelance artist. Uh, and then I kind of stopped because I, I was getting busier. And then it's that whole, hmm, I could do this or I could pay someone to do this. And people, the first baggie he ever drew, all the comments were, this is the best baggie yet. <laughs> I'm like, the one I didn't draw. <laughs> so it's like, fine, Marty, I'll do it now. But I, I do miss it because it was just a way for me to keep. Because I originally, my plan was to be an artist. And it all went a bit aside. So yeah. it was a nice way for me to just keep doing some little doodles. And it was no, you know, mega pressure, but still just doodling around. So yeah. I think I'm going to start getting back into that soon. Just, just for fun. Just to do That's some cool. little little escapades it's just all i just like the company being fun as well because i know there's people that will sort of go oh it's all this like campaigny stuff like no it's not it's just just women in clothes that's, that's yeah. it <laughs> like, not, i'm not trying to shut anyone down it's it's just women in clothes and i get those people that sort of go are you triggered are you getting like, no i'm just doing women in clothes you're getting quite angry there sir <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> you are getting angry <laughs> So yeah, it's a bit of a bizarre juxtaposition that, that there's that sort of those sort of people that yeah we're we're fun we are fun I swear <laughs> we're so fun we keep saying how fun we are <laughs> yeah it's just such an absurd argument I mean it, 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 there's there's never going to be an end to you know women in bikinis miniatures like that that market is going to be fulfilled for the rest of all of our lives yeah they're, they're all going to be out there you're going to find them yeah. It was just so strange that that was the norm, and it's almost like my my realm of the women in clothes was in some weird, you know, back alley type thing, yeah. <laughs> like equivalency. But it's it's definitely changing because it was it was so bad that sort of representation. But I've noticed, and I I am I am going to be big headed and take a small amount of credit, only a small amount. I think it's sort of the timing of the, of my company was kind of spot on as well. Because I think there was the shift was already happening, yeah. And people were starting to get more aware of these sort of things, but I've I think I've lectured <laughs> so many different people now. I just had loads of conversations, and that's another thing where I've seen. I did a talk uh, a couple of years ago to a bunch of different companies, and it was how to not design female miniatures. <laughs> and the jip online, people were like, you're brainwashing them all and yeah. making them all bad. Like, they've all agreed to come, and they're all nice. <laughs> and we had a nice chat about it. <laughs> it wasn't me going, don't do this, don't do that. Um, so, yeah, yeah it's just. So, you, you weren't rounding them up machine gun points and sort of driving them to a <laughs> location where they were, they were indoctrinated in the ways of how to dress their female miniatures. Put a cardigan on her yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people go, but you're friends with that company, but they make all uh, yeah, it's fine. It was just yeah. trying to restore the balance, that's all. There's obviously those, you know, that go way too far and they're the sort of like, nope, these are definite nopes. This is why there are not so many women in the army. Yeah. But all the other stuff I'm like, yep, yeah, have that, it's fine, but yeah, just just adding a bit. I guess that's the whole thing, adding something a bit different. So we've got we sort of changed up that a bit. And again, yeah, I've, I've spoke to obviously so many people about it, and that's different companies, sculptors, artists, just in a nice casual way. 
and there's been a lot of just people saying i didn't really think about it it's like i'm an artist someone says do a barbarian you do a barbarian do a female barbarian so you're obviously like oh right so she's gonna be pretty the boobs and yeah and you just don't it's just how you and i remember like well i've my drawing has definitely come come a lot What's the word? A lot worse. It, it was pretty good at one point, but all when I used to do loads of fantasy drawings, I was exactly the same, and it's just this sort of inbuilt. So when people start, so I guess seeing around other models as well, and just seeing other people do it, going, "Oh yeah, they actually," and it's nice. That's why I've never been aggressive with it or kind of going, "You're all wrong." It's just like, "Hey, sure. here's an alternative <laughs> or a different option." So it's been like the representation has has been getting a lot better. And it was good a lot when I was stocking from those companies, we get to have at least the initial chat of going, this is why I particularly want these ones. And then after a while, I'd get them saying, oh, I've, I've, I've made some more for you. Oh. <laughs> got some more. And I've got quite a few companies now that will message just for like, is this is this Annie, Annie certified yeah. sort of thing? <laughs> oh, that's pretty sweet. But it means that they're thinking about it. Yeah. So, you know, even if I go, not for me, but you go ahead and make that because it looks cool. Um, sure. So yeah, it's not like I'm there. Yeah, put a cardigan on it. Yes. <laughs> She'll get cold. <laughs> <laughs> and then well, it goes the other way. I created a monster because I, uh, I've, I put a few of my miniatures with knees out. And then I got the odd comment from the entirely other side of it. Uh-huh. Going, How dare you? What happened to your morals, Annie? Oh, no. The knees. It's too much. It's too much for them. <laughs> I basically just make the minis I like and want, want to exist. And and if other people buy them, that's cool. Um, obviously, it's got to the point now where it's very much appreciated rather than just cool if they buy them, seeing as it's you know propelling the business. Right. But yeah, that's it. It's it's no no sort of force. It's just here's some stuff I want to make. You like it? Um, cool. And people like it, so I'm making more, which is yeah. nice. I mean, I think Squid is certainly a, a pillar of the miniatures gaming community at this point. I think it's it's been so cool yes. to see grow. Yes, I got listed on something recently as a good thing. <laughs> like, yes, wow. yes, I'm a good thing. I mean, you, and but you were on the BBC even. I was. I had to go to London and go on the it was BBC Radio. Uh, that was that was very daunting. Everyone around me was really like they they had all their notes and they knew what they were talking about. And I kind of I sat in the green room like, uh, have you seen the little Shop of Horrors film? Oh yeah. When he's when he sat there going on the radio with his strange and unusual plant. That was basically <laughs> me. So I sat there with a little like shaking of it with my little tray of, of minis. <laughs> God, bring some of them in. <laughs> yeah. So they were like, what have you got? Because all the, the other people on the show were obviously talking about very serious matters and stuff, and they're like, Oh, what are these? <laughs> And then watching, you get to see them all being on air before you, all super eloquent. And then I sort of turn up like, hello, <laughs> hello world of these little people. But it went really well. And it was, it yeah. it, it went really far. I still get people going, oh my God. Or people going, oh, my friend saw that. That's not a war gamer. And they pointed it out to me. And I got to say, I already knew who you were. But it was good because that tended to be... Um, it wasn't just well, it wasn't a bad squiddo advert. They wouldn't let me mention bad squiddo because it's part of their, oh, their sure. rules. But um, it was mostly a, just a sort of introduction to the hobby. So it wasn't squiddo heavy. I sort of mentioned a bit about what I do, but it was just sort of talking about the hobby to a massive audience. So that was really wow. cool. 
So obviously I did mention the old, the old games workshop and all that sort of stuff and just sure. uh, the shops on the high street. And, and that, that was great. That was that was really good. Very happy with that. No, it's, it's cool you're being recognized for all of that. So I'm curious here. So we've, we've talked about you know how you, you make miniatures that you know are cool to you. At the end of the day, what makes a cool miniature to you? Oh, <laughs> good knees. Got have good knees. Knees. Okay, good to know. <laughs> or have knees. Yeah, it's good when they have knees. Um, I don't know. Um, what makes a cool miniature? Just being a bit different, I guess. If it's because I'm so female focused, they've they've always got like some sort of badass. Um, they've got to have some good roaring expression going on there. I like the I like the chunky style of minis. Most of ours are on that sort of chunky. Apart from the the samurai and the Amazon's range, because that sculptor in particular doesn't do the Maz chunk. But when I when I first started, the the sort of guide I was using was a bit like I said to the sculptors, a bit like pulp figures and copplestone. Sure. And they were sort of my base at the start for that's that's what I like. So when I paint miniatures, I like them to be fairly simple. So we've gone for that as well. So it's really easy to look at my range and figure out what I like, because that's how I've made them. So I'm not a fan of multi-part metals. Sometimes you've got to, but yeah. you know the ones where you kind of open the box and it all spills out and you think, oh no. Maybe it was all that black coach experience. Yeah, it's traumatized like, you. Even that one's not so bad. It's more when you've got the sort of 28 mil figure and it joins at the elbow and then for some yeah. reason a thumb is on there extra and then, you know, it gets knocked once it's painted and it all falls off. So I try and um, try and make them fairly simple and also that, like, so you don't have 50 extra little bags or weird bits of detail that, aren't necessarily needed and i think with digital sculpting getting bigger and bigger the some of the sculpts are getting way more detailed which is brilliant works of art especially when you look at gw they're just they blow my mind sure. how they can because obviously i look at everything with that technology mind now <laughs> it's handy being in nottingham because just walk around forge world and i'll sort of like look at the price of something look at the model and then i'm there going Yes, because that one would create a lot more mold tear, so it's actually quite a decent price because you can see. <laughs> so just like dice. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I found that the way sculpts are going, things are getting lots, lots more complicated. But they're not necessarily friendly to beginner gamers or to children. So, I try and particular ranges. I try and aim for like the the shield maidens. They've just got some nice chunky plain areas, but there's still plenty of detail. So it's not like they're basic figures. They're still really nice. Sure. They just don't have loads of that extra where you have to keep going, what is that? What colour do I paint that? You're like, that's the tunic. That's the bag. That's the belt. So it's somewhere sort of in between that and the, that sort of old schooly style. And that's just mm -hmm. what I really like. And I am a fan of lo a lot of those older Warhammer figures. And I think that's part of it as well, that nostalgia for some of them. So um, sure. one of the first figures that I really wanted and was out of stock, I never know how to pronounce it, it was Dieter Hellschnicht on the manticore. It was that big mm. yellow manticore with orange hair. I remember that. <laughs> the old green goblin green vase. That was one That was one of the first models that I really, really wanted. And it was sculpted by Gary Morley. The, I, know, I know the dude is. I can't remember if the actual manticore is. And then I ended up having Gary Morley sculpt for me. I was just like, this is so cool. This has gone full circle. Like, so he's, yeah. he's done a small range for us, which is sort of gothic horror 
Rats I'm actually looking at those right now. Yeah, the, the Dracula is just... The Dracula, I, he's the guy I've got open on my, my screen at the moment. Hello. He's great. He is the guy. So I had a few um, a few male figures introducing a few more. I've got a very sexy male figure in the works, actually. You should definitely stay tuned for that. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. So that's actually, my, my, well, might be shown soon. I might keep him a secret till I've got him more painted up, though. That's Christmas fair. special. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, we do have the odd, we have the occasional man in the range. And I've got so the the gothic horror has and I've got some sort of died in where it's where it's historically appropriate. Like um it's mostly when I think, oh I do a range, I think oh, I'd love to do a load of men as well, but then the the budget I've got is like it's got yeah. me quite focused. So it's like for those ten men sculpts I could do, I could do ten female sculpts that have never existed. So it's always that sort of like, how do I go? But that that gothic horror stuff that Gary's done is just the Dracula, the Dracula and the man vampire hunters. They're just so classic, and it's just that yeah, that chunk of metal. I, I, they've just... they really got this real hammer horror feel to them. Like the yeah, movie. yeah, it's wonderful. I really like this stuff. Oh um, yes. What I was going to say was, you know, I, I, looking at these figures, you know, I think as you were saying, the 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 engineering in miniatures these days is so um, advanced. You know, the stuff that Games Workshop puts out in particular is so beautiful and highly engineered and really ornate. But there really is a, still a place for you know relatively simple figures. Um, yeah, it's really nice to see those because you know I know when I'm when I'm doing an historical project or something like that, um, I'm actually quite happy to have a bunch of you know just warriors in simple clothes because really at the end of the day, nobody's going to look at them on the table anyway. And, yeah. You know, so it's 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 always a relief to me when I do a project like that. Like I did a Blood and Plunder Pirates Army back in the spring, and um, I'd been doing Games Workshop stuff for months prior to that. And I was like, oh, this is so it's so easy, and they still look great. Um, you know, let's use the bold colors. You know, if you've got a well exaggerated face, they still have a lot of character. Yeah. How do you how do you go about putting putting bringing character to a, a relatively simple model? What are what are your sort of guidelines for that? I think it's definitely the smaller details. So not in the way of having more details, but focusing on what they are. So uh, I can imagine sometimes, you know, people's briefs to sculptors or something just like, you know, a load of spearmen. <laughs> Here's the gear. But I t a lot of them, I'll end up talking about what sort of expression, sometimes in depth as well, what particular, there's one of the Soviets and her expression is, she's looking at a map and it's, she's just realised the precise point that they need to get to on the map. So that's the sort of level of detail we go to. Um, my main sculptor, Alan, is is now probably a pretty good hairstylist. We have we yeah. have like galleries and galleries of different hairdos, and I think that's definitely something that a lot a lot of companies wouldn't even sort of think about. It's either long hair, short hair, you know, pigtails. But I've got that ex extra eye, especially with like the shield mains. You can get all those cool. I've got loads of hipster pictures of various. Sure. Like, yeah, that's probably not historical there, but that looks cool. And yeah. That's kind of people's people's ideas of Vikings right now as well. Obviously, like TV show and stuff. And I know it will break some hearts. We're like, but it's not historical. Like, yeah, but you can. I like you can get. It depends what they are. So stuff like my World War Two, it's it's as historical as I can get it, and I like yeah. making it perfect. But things like Vikings, there's definitely a bit of rule of cool going on. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, this one mine have got like undercuts and plaits and sort of plait uh -huh. and stuff going on. But yeah, it's just those little details I like putting in. But they're very much gaming pieces. 
which sounds like I'm negging them actually. They're not. They're very lovely display pieces too, but they're made <laughs> with that like you can play games with them and not worry too much about them. Obviously, some you know some of the larger sort of hero pieces are a bit more, but oh, sure. yeah, you can just play games with them. You can transport them, and it's okay. And let's say that shield made because I had so many people. The original shield maidens we took out of production because they had they joined at the hands which was great when we started in resin. And then when we moved to metal, it was a bit awkward um, because they we got bigger by that point anyway. So I was like, let's start from scratch with the shield maidens and make them really just just so lovely to paint. And I'm biased, but I've, paint, I've painted quite a few of them myself. And yeah. They are just so nice. And when you've got that larger space, you can put your own stuff on. So mm-hmm. you can you can put a bit of weathering into the fabric. You can paint some little you know bits of stitching and trimming and stuff around you're not guided to literally just coloring in you know when there's just so much you are just coloring in you can't really do much effects or anything like that so that's what i'm really pleased about that they yeah again it's like the world's getting really more detailed more high class resin and again they're totally ace but when you want to build a whole army of it it's the cost and the just the complexity of it so just to be able to go these are just nice, nice, solid figures, sculpted well. The proportions are perfect, you know, that sort of thing. Because sure. that drives me nuts when I look at a sculpt and I think, yeah, that elbow, what, what is that? And <laughs> I was thinking about it recently that I'm so chilled now with my sculptors, painters, casters, that I'm, I just have no worries about anything. I know that it's going to come back awesome. And if there's been a small, you know, like misunderstanding or anything like that with a position or something like that, that we'll be able to sort it and not having the worry that someone's going to sculpt something bad is is good, (laughs) strangely. It's an obvious thing to say, but obviously there's there's been this huge explosion and I'm part one of those, you know, the, the massive explosion of war games companies. And there are a lot of not too great sculpts out there. And true. it's that sort of like uh, I don't I don't know where I'm going with this now. I'm still like I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, that I don't have that worry. So there's there's that sort of stuff. I'm like, no, I'm really confident in these that and all the people that that work here that we're just making quality quality stuff. Basically, that's it's it's hard because I know obviously people aren't looking at it right now unless they're getting it up on their phones. That'd be cool, and then they know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, um, we'll have to think. I don't want them to think that it's um, that I've got all these like monopose '80s figures where they're all. No, I mean, they're quite you know, dynamic, you know. Oh yeah, it's, and that's part of the skill trying to get them as dynamic as you can, but still fit them as you know one or two pieces. And the mold maker that well, we've got a bunch of mold makers at one company. They they are obscene. There's <laughs> some of the stuff. I'm sure my sculptors are starting to push it now as well because they're like, oh, I see. <laughs> they managed the last one, so maybe they'll get this one. They'll get something. The recent one was a pile of harbour stuff. And there's like an anchor, some net. So then it's all going out at different angles, which is the, the mega faux pas of like, this is hell to cast. <laughs> and they've done it. I'm like, how? How? I don't understand. But they're, they're just so good. And I always love singing their praises. They've been really good to me as well. They've, they've looked after a little Annie, which has just been really ace. They've got a lot of faith in me and they've they've kind of been there as I've gone from from small to large, I had quite a lot of teething issues at the start, but once I got settled in with the sort of people we're working with now, it's it's just really it's just, it's really calm. It's a strange, strange yeah. sort of 
but it is. It's just it's just lovely, really. And you know, we've got the lovely customer base and lovely uh, online sort of quite uh, busy on social media. I've got just a really nice community around it. So I'm just really proud of it. A bit especially lately, I've just been really sort of basking in this like. I've made this and it's really nice. <laughs> and, and people send pictures of their kids and go, look, they've just painted their first ever miniature. And I'm just oh, like, wow. oh, this is so cool. Like, I never expected it to go like this. And this is just way better than I could have thought. That's great. Um, so you, you've done mostly traditional, um, as far as mostly traditional uh, sort of funding. You've done a Kickstarter too as well, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, a few. <laughs> I just, I realized I've got it written down here. Uh, I, I dabbled into Kickstarter and then realized that it was, it was really addictive. So I recently noted that we've done how many? Seven? Eight? Oh, wow. Seven, seven Kickstarters. That are at 123,000 pounds altogether. Well so the first one, and they've all been good. So there wasn't any horrors. Great. <laughs> I was on one. Um, I know from personal experience. Yeah. I was on a, a podcast last week, I think it was, talking specifically about Kickstarters. And, and I did say there how I just sort of went, I'll see how it goes. And I went, this is the best. Kickstarting all the things. But also trying to not be a Kickstarter company either. So sure. I think I balance it quite well, that mixture of Kickstarters and traditional releases. So I tend to Kickstarter the stuff where I go, right, I, I really definitely, these things have to sell fast. Not fast. That sounds strange. It's um, It can take a long time to get the money back that you've invested into a sure. miniature. And people don't, always think about how much money that is because it's not just you know when you get these people going it's only 50p a cast they're like what yeah. it's not anymore <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely not anymore and there's obviously way more to it than that you know like you price the sculpt the mold the development the rent oh, yeah. <laughs> all that sort of stuff so it's it take, can take quite a while depending on how popular a model is which can be really hard to know because it's usually my off the cuff. <laughs> Let's just release this, uh -huh. and then they're like, "Oh, I've sold out. Casters, quick, we need more." Yeah. <laughs> I'm right. This is gonna be a. This is just gonna go wild, and then you got a bit of tumbleweed. But what Kickstarter does, it just basically, well, from mine anyway, because they've all been ace. <laughs> <laughs> they, I'm like, like notice my podcasts have changed from me just being really shy to like, hey, look how great this is. Yeah. It's good. It's just, it's I'm just, I'm just really, really excited by it. But um, yeah, ours, what ours are pretty much on a guarantee to do now is that they'll at least pay for the cost. So it'll just clear that for me. So yeah. then post Kickstarter, everything is actual profit. Sure. And it means that I'm not some of the models that I may sort of narrow my eyes at and go, <laughs> when are you <laughs> going to pay your way, you freeloader? <laughs> and it's a really good way. It's It was definitely a turning point for the range growing a lot faster because I was being a bit of a, a martyr going, no, must do it organically, sell models make profit uh -huh. use profit for next model and then seeing everyone else going woo massive kickstarter yeah. look at all this stuff I'm like, i could just do that <laughs> why, why don't i do that <laughs> so it does it, it makes it so you're able to just get a whole bunch of minis out at once and it's say so it's it's not easy it's not like it's just an easy fix going click a kickstarter but there's just no, some, there's some, there's some wild hype around it which I, a mixture of massively understand and massively don't, but it's definitely a thing. So people yeah. 
are way more likely to go a Kickstarter. I'll you know take my money now, whereas you yeah. go here's this new release. It's ready right now. I'm like yeah, maybe payday, and then they kind of forget. So it's that sort of occasion that makes Kickstarter kind of cool. Sure. Um, so yeah, what... I put it. I put it all in the shop afterwards, so people that don't kickstart get. You know, oh, it's not like it's exclusive or anything like that. And it just it just makes it possible. And then if I get any extra sort of funding from them, that gives me some extra funds to make a, a whole next line of stuff. Yeah. So I think the I can't remember which way it went now. It's almost like yeah, the that will feed into the next project and at least get me set up on that. So what I've been saying sometimes it's like, okay, this this Kickstarter might not be for you, but if there's anything you can think of to sort of support, it'll help the next stuff. So yeah, I get people doing that, they'll just back and, and buy some there's I always put cute animals in, so there's always oh, yeah. something for everyone. So go, oh, this isn't so I just recently did a, a massive World War Two British Kickstarter and there's obviously a lot of people going, Yeah, these are lovely, but I don't play that. Sure. But, but you do like little dogs. <laughs> so I got a pack of hero dogs and they're all based on uh, real life heroic dogs. And they're so oh, yeah. cute. Oh, One of them I snuck an American in just because she was so cute. Smokey, the, the, was it the Yankee, Yorkie doodle dandy. <laughs> <laughs> like founder in the woods. And, oh, it was just so cute. But she's like a parachute dog. She had her own parachute. Um, and just and it's like all these heroic feats of dogs basically going through tunnels and and retrieving things, passing cable through. It's wild. And the other two dogs I've got are blitz dogs. So they were digging people out of the rubble during yeah. the blitz. Um just just looking up all those sort of informations rather than going, Hey sculptor, do me some dogs. It's right. <laughs> it's like, right, so we got Smokey, Rip and Beauty. Here are their backstories. Yeah. <laughs> here is this here is a photo of them, which is not like how I want them, but it's just very cute and you should see it. <laughs> There's a lot of that happens yeah. with sculptors. Like uh, this isn't for any sort of reference, but oh look at it. <laughs> yeah, I've got with the female, that um, Smokey is so tiny. It's ridiculously tiny. Yeah. She was <laughs> so great. cute. There's a little video about her on YouTube. And it's the, um, they take the guy who was a handler. And it's he's obviously really old. And they've, they've made a statue in this war memorial. And it's oh, one wow. of those, like, oh, no, I may be leaking from my eyes somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it was the best damn friend I ever had. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> what, yeah, what, what kind of monster wouldn't back that on Kickstarter? Exactly. <laughs> so we usually have some sort of related sort of critter thing. I'm working on some Soviets at the moment, and there's that same sort of um, diggy out dog. Not not so much the bomb dog. I've got a bomb sniffer dog that looks really really sweet. I'm I'm in two minds about the mine dogs because it makes a cool mini, but then it's like it's dogs blowing themselves up. I don't know. Yeah, that is <laughs> I don't know about that. Dark. <laughs> Although I do have guinea pigs with bombs attached to them, but <laughs> like <laughs> it's the yeah the real versus that fantasy thing, isn't it? 
Yeah. Because I've got this... Um, so we've got a line. We're working on a game, which is actually... We're making some real progress at the moment. It went on the back burner for a bit. Uh, war pigs. Or war pigs. Go on. And it's um, it's bunny rabbits versus guinea pigs in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. <laughs> so it's absolutely nothing to do with women. It started off <laughs> as a side project on our, our women's sci-fi fighters Kickstarter. And it got out of hand. It was definitely one of my, I just want this to exist. And then everyone else went, yes, we do too. <laughs> so we've got uh, Delaney King, who you might have heard of. She's Darkling mm-hmm. Games. She's sort of done everything. She's one of those mega talented, multi-talent people. So she's been working on the game. Um, so it, yeah, it got out of hand. So we've got <laughs> so we've got the rules in the works, and then there's going to be some, once, once we get that out, there's going to be loads more models. But we've got, yeah, we've got uh, bunnies and pigs on bikes, cranes, tanks. They're all out. They're in the uh, gunny pet section on yeah. the website if you're up now. Um, and yeah, they're, they're just absolutely ridiculous. I have no idea where I was going with that tangent. Gunny pets. Oh, I'm, I'm fascinated. Just I want to play cool. the game. <laughs> oh yeah, so I've got it's got like a guinea pig with a rocket launcher on its back. They're on motorbikes. They're in all sort. There's one on the back of a the rocket on the Cappy Cannon, and then people say, "Oh, you should do one in a wheel, a big wheel." I'm like, "Oh, oh no, course. you can't put you can't put guinea pigs in a wheel. It hurts their back." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> but somehow that that mixture of reality. So I'm like, "You can't strap them to rockets either." Yeah. <laughs> I'm a massive guinea pig nerd, and I've got I've got five guinea pigs, and I'm a little bit obsessed with them. You'll notice sure. this guinea pig sort of dotted about the range as well. And uh, so, one of my nerdy facts fa- you're going to learn something as well from this podcast. It's educational. So, educational. You can't put guinea pigs in wheels or balls. You can. You you can definitely put them in there, but it's not actually recommended, despite Mm -hmm. some products having it on the packaging, because it can really damage their spine, because their spines are meant to go backwards. So somehow, I feel like by putting them in a ball, it adds to the myth. Although it'd look really cool, so I might have to do hamsters, because they definitely can, but then they'd be too small. (laughs) I have all of these little conflicts going on, whilst I'm going, yeah, chuck that one in a plane. And make it like there's a bomb bunny where it's holding on to the bomb. <laughs> like, yeah. but that's just, okay though. But, but yeah, that's fine. In, a, in, a, in a wheel, that's crossing the line. Yeah, you, should, you don't put yeah. them in wheels. <laughs> like, why? Why is that my line? Yeah. So it is, it's it's interesting. That's the sort yeah. of funnier version of the ethics behind models. So I've got like uh, a couple of nurse type figures and casualties. And just personally, again, each time I mention if I have a personal preference, people go, like, no, it's just my personal preference. Okay? Sure. Um, I'm just a bit, personally, I always get a bit uncomfortable with some of those sort of casualty figures and stuff when it, when it's real. And it's just this weird, when I'm having this argument with myself, I'm like, I'm okay with Viking casualties, but not World War II casualties. Mm-hmm. And it's always this, like, it's the real uh, aspect. The immediacy of it, right? But then it's, it's that, then that, like, well, the figures exist for the men, so should I make that? And then I, I try and make it so that I'm happy with it. So any sort of casualty type thing I've got in part of the brief to the sculptor says, but they're going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> they've, just, they've just bumped their head. Yeah. So, yeah, it's that like, where do I... Well, you know, I want to be careful I don't get carried away and sort of make mistakes that, you know, the next generation of people will do their... Sure. And anti bad squiddo models. Yeah. So they go, they're too graphic. <laughs> like, no. 
Um, but it's always, yeah, it's always just my line. And I think, well, that's that's my line. It doesn't mean I'm telling other people. It's just, this is my budget. So I'm going to put this, the money into this stuff. Because no, it's always it's, that, it? like, it happened in war argument. And I'm like, yeah, but there's lots of really, really not good things in war. And we don't have figures of it. Yeah, but it's it totally get that people have their own. So yeah, I used to I used to even not be that sure about World War Two gaming when I first sort of discovered it because I come from the fantasy background. That was a whole sort of like trying to figure it out and where I stood and all this. And occasionally, and I'll mention it to people that hardly oh, figures World War Two, and so isn't that a bit dark? And I think no, actually, it's um I'm totally cool with it now. So I used to just be a bit like I don't know. But I think as long as you play them respectfully and just don't be that guy who always has SS, you know, yeah. you can still play. And the amount of research people do into their games as well, I think it's, it's just such a good excuse to do the research because there's an end point to it. And sure. I, I've gone from basically zero interest in World War Two to it being my, like, anything outside of work which is still technically linked to work. I'm just constantly reading World War Two that's sort of last year. Which I had zero, yeah, zero interest. It was purely when I started making the the Soviets because I thought they'd be cool. It was went, hey, World War Two, World War Two games people play. Nobody does Soviet ladies. Let's do Soviet ladies. Let's sure. do some research. And then the research got out of hand. I think I was going to do a few packs or something. And I went, or I could make like a whole army. Yeah, <laughs> so that's that's still growing. That's the next part at the moment. Um, going to have a larger Soviet release at the end of the year. Oh, that's cool. Um, I was actually about to ask yeah. what what is coming up uh, in the uh, the near future for Bad Squiddo. Oh yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to give all the ranges, well, all the sub ranges, a bit of loving at the moment, because the Kickstarter's kind of forced you forced you to go into one one sort of thing and do it big. Yeah. So they'll sort of one one of the sub ranges will get. So I was calling it the Eye of Sauron. So my Eye of Sauron will be fixed on something particular. Yeah, and that's the thing that's happening right now. But because Again, it's hard because the company's growing, but it's still me. It's still just me. I've got a whole bunch of freelancers, but that day-to-day is just me. So trying to sort of juggle everything, it's really easy to lose sight of things sometimes. So now I think, oh, that sub-range, they haven't had any new releases for a little while. And, you know, the people playing with them be like, it's great you're doing more World War Two, Annie, but, you know... Our Amazons, we have small Amazons. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm actually taking a small Kickstarter break, which is very controversial. Nobody believes me as well. They're all, are you going to do one? And I don't know if I believe myself either. But because there's no trade shows right now, I've got no, for the first time in a while, I've got no Kickstarters. I'm not building up to a Kickstarter either. Mm-hmm. I've actually just got some time to breathe, which is really lovely. It's definitely a pro because it's normally just rushing between things a lot and I'm always stressed and knackered, which is why it took so long for you to get hold of me. (laughs) So at the minute it's quite calm, but I've still been a commissioning beast. So there's there's small releases for quite a lot of what we do. So that's going to be really cool. So we've got got a new Viking vignette coming out. We've got Danuta Danielson, the, the woman known as the woman with the handbag that's hitting the neo-Nazi. And she's 1985. Oh, so she wow. doesn't, fit, doesn't fit in with anything that we do. But, well, obviously being a woman and hating Nazis. But yeah. <laughs> it's like, yep, she's coming out. Uh, we've got a, another small World War II British. It was sort of the, a couple bits that I wanted to do in the Kickstarter and we didn't get round to. So afterwards, once the funds were around, I was like, ha, I can do them now. 
Um, we've got our first Americans. Wow. So we got we started off Besides with Smokey. Besides Smokey, yeah. We've got Adelaide Hall, but she's we've stolen her. She's on she's <laughs> under the British flag because <laughs> she was part of the British British Army? Yeah, Ensa. I don't know if it's classed as army. I should know that by now. Forces mm-hmm. side thingy. Um so yeah, we, we did take Adelaide during the war, but then we gave her back. <laughs> She's really cool. She was one of my favourites. She's a jazz singer, a sort of everything singer, performer, and she was well established before that. She came over just before the war, obviously without knowing there was going to be a war, and then decided to stick around. So she just like she just hung around the UK. She didn't. She joined Ensa, and she did loads of the so that's the entertainment part. So she went around war Europe, basically around all the battle zones keeping up some morale she's just generally cool i watched quite a few interviews with her she's ace um, but just so totally uh divert so uh the first that we've got with uh, that gonna have our american flag on are war correspondents so we've got three war correspondents oh cool um they're gonna be a pack even though they're all effectively doing the same thing they're three quite different models that also can work together as a cool gang as well so they're sculpted. They'll be going into the mold very soon, and they have—they're so cool because they're on the front line as well. Yeah. So you don't have World War Two, you know, women in combat front line, but they're still on the front line doing other stuff. Sure, you know, you get medics and things. So war correspondents—they're there. So they just look cool as figures, really. Yeah, <laughs> and it's great. also I'm just just trying to educate people about all the different different roles there are because you never really think about it. You know, it's not there. It's not in films a lot either, really. It's right, not everybody's saving Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's interesting just to learn about all that sort of backup and all the different, yeah, all the different roles. And I'm having so much fun learning about it. And fun is such a horrible word because I'm I'm reading so much Eastern Front at the moment. Oh yeah, and it's just like draining grim. my will to live. And it's it's so grim. So fun is definitely not the correct word, but it's that sort of just enjoyment of learning. Yeah. And and yeah, knowing that I can, there will be an end result to it. It's not just learning for for horror's sake. Sure. There's, there's, uh, there's something I can do out of it, which is at least sort of preserving the memories and experiences of those people. And that's, I just find that to be really like, this is my job. This is the coolest job ever. It does seem like you have the coolest job ever, I've got to say. <laughs> cool. Well, Annie, thank you so much for talking to me. And if you're listening, be sure to go check out badsquidogames.com. We'll have a link in the show notes. And uh, again, Annie, thanks. It's really been nice to talk to you. It's been really interesting, and uh, I love what you're doing. Yay, thanks for having me on. It's been fun. Hopefully, Yeah, let's talk again in the future. Yes. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) The Brush Builders Union is a community of like-minded miniatures gamers dedicated to playing their games fully painted and supporting one another in their craft. Brush Builders Union is here to help you stay on track with tools and a community of fellow painters to encourage you in your journey. Take the Union Pledge and learn more at brushbuildersunion.com. Mm-hmm.